here is today's transformational truth. Mature leaders are motivated by commitment rather than convenience. Welcome to the Transformational Truth Podcast, where we're committed to eliminating the obstacles that take the joy out of life and leadership. Welcome back to Transformational Truths. Our special guest today is Natalie Runyon. Natalie is the creative pastor of family ministry at New Life Church in Colorado Springs, Colorado, where she lives with her husband, Tony, and two daughters, Annabelle and Selah. As a pastor's kid turned pastor, Natalie saw a need to reach those wounded in the church and in the ministry and to encourage reconciliation, restoration, and renewal of love for God's people and His church. When I tell you that we had a rich conversation, that would be an understatement. There was so much incredible gold that was mined in this interview. You're going to want to get your notes out. There was so much synergy. I would say that this might be one of the most important conversations that the church should be having today. This is going to bless you. Let's go ahead and get started. So welcome to Transformational Truths, and here is today's Transformational Truth. Mature leaders are motivated by commitment rather than convenience. And today we're talking about what it means to mature in our calling and to mature in our identity in Christ. Doing ministry or business the past couple of years has been challenging to say the least. I think one of the things that our adversity exposed was a concerning lack of maturity in both church and leadership culture. And while we're all supposed to come to Jesus like a child, scripture is clear, we're not supposed to stay that way. In the words of the Apostle Paul, when I was a child, I talked like a child, I thought like a child, I even reasoned like a child, but when I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. Churches and organizations that are spiritually, emotionally, relationally immature are vulnerable. It leaves us easily deceived, it leaves us easily offended, and it leaves us easily distracted. And the level of impact that we have will rarely ever rise above our level of maturity. Now, on the flip side of the coin, however, when you are in the presence of mature leaders and mature believers, you know, you find thriving relationships, you find healthy marriages, you find life-giving churches. And here helping us unpack today's transformational truth is Natalie Runyon, the founder of Raise to Stay, Why We Could Have Quit, why we chose to stay. Natalie, wow. Welcome to Transformational Truths. I'm super honored to have you on. Oh my goodness, Pastor Travis. Thank you so much for having me. I love that we connected. I love how God is just drawing his people together. So thank you so much for having me today. Yeah, no, listen, I have genuinely been looking forward to this interview. I'm excited about it. I appreciate your voice. I appreciate how you're using your voice for the kingdom of God right now in the lives of leaders and believers all over the world and anticipating an incredible, incredible explosion of influence for you. Uh, Natalie, you started an incredibly important ministry you refer to as Race to Stay. Um, and I see you've also launched a podcast under the same name. And, and you're spearheading such an important conversation. I mean, genuinely, listen, listen, listeners, this is a vital conversation. Tell us a little bit about your story and what led you to start this Race to Stay conversation. 
I was a pastor's kid um, most of my life. My dad started in ministry through evangelism explosion. He was not a seminary guy. Um, he actually uh, lived in over the Rhine, Cincinnati, and um, was a drug dealer, alcoholic, um, very um, crazy past, but had a God-fearing mom, and became a Christian in his 20s. And through evangelism explosion, he began taking us down to the very place that he grew up, and we would do ministry on the streets of Cincinnati. And eventually, he ended up in a full-time ministry as a pastor, going through programs that allowed him to get certified. And we started as babies in the ministry with my dad, who was kind of learning as he went too. But my dad was a great commission guy. He mm. wasn't a um, he wasn't a big theatric guy. He wasn't someone who was trying to work his way up the ranks. My dad truly went into ministry because of his deep love for God and his deep love for people. And so that was my whole background. And I deeply loved and trusted the church and the people of God. I loved them with my whole heart. And so when I got into high school and we saw our first signs of church hurt, it felt like such a betrayal because I saw behind a curtain that I didn't know existed. And mm. I experienced my first church hurt as a senior in high school. I was supposed to go to a Christian college and decided, you know what, if this is God, if this is church, if this is Christians, I don't want anything to do with it. I'm I'm not going to go into ministry. And I had a call on my life. I wanted to be a youth pastor. I wanted to go on mission trips and live overseas and do all the things that I saw people I admired doing. But all it took was this one wreck, this one shipwreck to really take me off the path. And I ended up going to a non-secular college in Ohio, majoring in exercise physiology and saying, you know what? No, thanks. If this is what they did to my dad. Mm. I don't, I don't think that I want to sign up for this voluntarily. And I think we always say that anger is a secondary emotion. I was very angry. Um, but what was driving that was a deep hurt. I was hurt. And we don't always know in our immaturity. And I think even now in my 40s, I would say in my immaturity, that I don't always know how to label things hurt. I label mm. it pain. I label it anger or fear. But ultimately, I was hurt. And I went through all college saying, no, thank you, I'm not doing it. And a ministry called Campus Crusade for Christ got a hold of me. And mm. I started leading workshop for them. And my life was changed. And I realized that you can run all you want from the Lord, but he will find you and he <laughs> will do what he started in you one way or another. And so I did with a teacher. I was a phys ed teacher for 10 years while also leading worship. So I was bivocational for about 10 years. And around 32 years old, the Lord gave me the opportunity to go into full-time ministry where I was doing nothing but leading worship. I was a worship pastor, worship leader, worship teacher. And it was there the Lord really showed me what my dad had started as a kid in loving God and loving people that had never left me. Mm. And I started learning that I wasn't just a pastor's kid. I was a pastor. And you can't take a pastor's heart out of a pastor. And I started learning to let my heart break for his people break for his church. And before I knew it, I was in Colorado Springs, Colorado. I'm from Cincinnati. I'm in Colorado Springs, Colorado, pastoring at New Life Church with so many amazing people and still at 40, 41, being disappointed and let down by people, by man. And I just kept asking the Lord, why, why are we like this? <laughs> why, why can't I just graduate from this? Like, I feel like I've been doing this for 40 years and the Lord said to me, you know what? You have survived this for 40 years. Let's 
figure out why. And he gave me the name as I'm walking the dog one day, raised to stay to the point where I had to run back home and Google it because I thought, surely I've seen that somewhere. And what was breaking my heart was that I was watching friend after friend get hurt and leave. And they weren't just leaving the church. They were leaving Jesus. Mm. We use the word deconstruction right now, I think, as the only word we know to actually describe it. But what we're actually talking about is I got hurt. I didn't know how to process it. I didn't have a community around me to counsel me with wise counsel. And my relationship with the Lord was probably a little bit shaky. And so rather than just admit that I was hurt, I ran. Mm. And the Lord said, I'm not going to let you run because for the rest of your life, you are going to ask the question, but what if you stay? Mm. What can God do with us if we are willing to allow him to restore us, to reconcile us as his people, to seek forgiveness through Matthew 18 or counseling or however we have to do it, but really resolve within our spirit that he who began a good work in us is faithful to complete it to the very end. And that is even in hard days, broken relationships. He will restore if we will give him time to move mm. on our behalf. Wow. Wow. What would happen if you stayed? That is a weighty question and, and maybe one of the most important questions in this season for, for believers, a question we could apply across the board. What if you stayed in your marriage? What if you stayed in the ministry? Um, what if you stayed in your calling? Such an important question, and I think it lends itself uh, to the next question in this conversation, that is a perfect segue, because it seems like when it comes to leading, when it comes to serving in the local church, the new norm is for convenience to take precedent over commitment, right? Uh, obviously, deeply disturbing, deeply disturbing. How do you think the church as a whole got to this place? When I look back over the first 10 years I remember ministry, it was an all hands on deck mentality. If you serve the church, you served from scrubbing toilets on a Saturday Saturday morning, um, all the way to teaching Sunday school or leading worship. It was a pew to platform commitment, Mm. right? And there weren't staff members. I mean, most of our churches were run by a pastor and his family, and then the rest were volunteers. Right. So you develop this commitment within the people of God of this is our house. We're proud of this house. We want this house to flourish. We want God to be seen in every detail. And you have people who worked hard. When I think then to college and social media and technology and everything, everything became more convenient. It was, well, if you can't go to church, we'll just record it on our phones or we will um, make it, we'll bring it to you. And we have now an Uber culture where if you want something, it can be brought to you or um, you don't have to go. And I think we have to remember that the Great Commission is a action word. It's a go yeah. and make disciples. It's not a sit back and let the disciples come to you. It's a, a go and do and it's acting. Right. And this generation, I think, and I feel myself in my own flesh wrestle with it all the time we forget that what God started in us when he ascended into heaven was not a sit here and I'll, I'll give you your next instructions. It was go and I'm going to give you the manna as you run. Mm. I'm going to, I'm going to give you what you need as you go. And I just think we've gotten so comfortable in our positions that we forget that we're not just pastors. We're not just worship leaders. We're not just family ministry directors. We are servants of the almighty God who are willing to be inconvenienced for the gospel. We are willing to answer a phone call at midnight 
from a, somebody who's dying of cancer who needs prayer. We're willing to go to a hospital in the middle of the night to go pray with someone who's transitioning into heaven. Um, we're willing to babysit um, for a single mom who needs yeah. to go yeah. work that day. I just, I feel like we are a generation who does not want to be inconvenienced. And as a result mm. of that, we are losing our commitment to the Great Commission. Wow. You just said a mouthful. I, I remember in the middle of, of, of COVID and experiencing um, a lot of disappointment. I, 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 mean, I mean, in my own ministry, we've, we've gone through tons of disappointment. People that, you know, you thought for sure, man, these are, these are up and coming leaders who suddenly disappeared. You, you saw people that, uh, you know, just, just a few months ago said, we're with you no matter what, suddenly they're gone. Um, there's so many disappointment, disappointing moments. My wife, my wife and I went through betrayal moments and I remember going through this pain and reflecting and saying, you know, how did we get here? Cause as I'm talking to other pastors, like as yourself saying, you know, we're all seeing the same disappointing results and how did we get here? And, um, I said, you know, I've got to take responsibility for some of it because I think we work so hard to make it convenient and to make it easy and to cater and and we stop discipling the way we understood discipleship and we stopped making the right investments and we made everything so convenient and everything so use quote unquote user friendly that I, we unintentionally natalie i think sometimes we unintentionally created instead of christian disciples we created christian consumers absolutely and so we have to own some of it and, and say okay Okay, but but now what? We've got to make it right. We've got to do the right thing. And I know here we've actually changed the way we're the way we do ministry has changed. And you know, we've asked ourselves the question: Is that really working? Well, did it work? Did it really work? Because we quickly found out that you know the numbers in the seats did not reflect mature believers or growing maturing believers. And so it's trans it's, it's transformed the way that we're doing ministry. Are you seeing the same thing? Are you experiencing the same thing? Yeah, and I think one of the things that the Lord continues to remind me is that if we are constantly the people of God serving the people of God, mm. rather than assuming that the church is here to serve us, yeah. then we are more likely to come back after something like COVID hits us where we get comfortable watching church in our robe. Right. We get to the point where we're like, man, I can't wait to go back into the house of God and actually serve because jesus doesn't call us to be the light of the church he calls us to be the light of the world yeah and so i think as consumers it's like amy grant's song from the 80s the fat baby song right yeah. we sit in our pews like little fat babies like feed me feed me and then we realize as consumers well, i can just sit in my house and i can be fed huh. but when we are no longer consumers and we are committed to the house then we realize that we need the church as much as the church needs us and we're not just hirelings we're not just these people that come in and just check boxes, but we truly can't wait to get back into the family of God and serve one another. So, and so good. part of my heart for my team, I do women's ministry. I'm also in kids ministry, worship ministry is always looking at who's your lowest and who's your Eunice, who's mm. looking for you and who are you looking for? So and good. when you can go into the house of God with that mentality of, I don't just want to be fed, but I also want to make investments and deposits into other people. Then we stop being consumers and we become we become active participants in mm. partnering with the miracles of God. And I think if we know he's going to partner with us in miracles, then we stop asking, what can you do for me? And I start going in and saying, what can I do to partner? Not to take all the weight, right? not to be the answer to everybody's issues, right, right, right. but to be in partnership. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I, 
we we here at Life Church we actually uh, looked around and said, you know what? Uh, we stopped asking people to become members, and we invite people to, to serve. Yeah. And uh, we we killed it because the membership, the old membership process, only created entitlement because there was no investment. So when people come up to us now, and say, hey, I, what, what's my next step? Your next step? Oh, we're going to give you an opportunity to serve. Let's help you find a place to serve. That yeah. is the next step. So Natalie, I follow you on Instagram and you are tackling important issues head on over there. In fact, if uh, if you're not following Natalie, I suggest you go to the link in the show notes, click on that Instagram link and connect with her over there. Uh, incredible content. And I wanna share a few of your comments with our listeners to give them a taste of your heart and your wisdom, all right? Uh, here's the first one. It's dangerous to let a generation believe they're too talented to be replaced. Oh my goodness. <laughs> it's much easier to be liked than it is to be obedient. Wow. Don't allow, oh, I love this one. Don't allow your ability to become more important than your availability. Woof. Wow. These, you are tackling these, these issues of spiritual maturity head on. Um, uh, here's another one. Don't accept a position if you can't love the people. Oh my goodness. So much wisdom. Um, there's so much meat to unpack here. Uh, this is why I'm telling you, you've got to go over and follow Natalie on IG. Now, there's one, however, that I want to unpack for a minute. All right. It's the first post, Natalie, that I saw of yours. A pastor friend of mine shared it in his Instagram story. I saw it, clicked on it, read it. Uh, that's when I would have followed you, connected with you. And I want to share it with our listeners. Here's what you wrote. You said, the church is not a talent agency. Your pastor is not your talent agent. You said, it's not the job of the church or church leadership to make our dreams come true. And it's when we get those confused that entitlement sets in, that we demand opportunity and we strive to be seen and compete for a spotlight or position that was never promised or guaranteed. And then you said, I learned a long time ago not to do anything for promotion or recognition, rather than to put my head down and work the soil under my feet. <laughs> Every role in his kingdom is filled with adventure, holy romance, drama, and an ending that will only make one name known Jesus. So well said. Here's, here's the question, Natalie. What's at stake when we get the role of the church confused? When I think back to my deepest wounds, my, my deepest church hurt, even looking at what happened to us when I was in high school, it was unmet expectations mm. that we put on people positions and platforms. Wow. We do it innocently. I, like you said, I want to believe that all of us enter into ministry with pure hearts and clean hands. And the enemy is the enemy and he is out to steal, kill and destroy us. He doesn't want us flourishing. And so if he can get us in competition, if he can get us off our race and looking at somebody else's race, if he can make us think there's not enough room at the table for all of God's kids, then we become paranoid instead of productive and we start letting competition kill our creativity and when i think about my friends who have walked away from the church it comes down to unmet expectations bad communication chaos which mm. we know who the author of chaos is because it's not god right and confusion and when we get what we do for God confused with who we are in Christ, mm. then we end up competing with each other 
and demanding things from each other rather than partnering with each other. And then we leave a place bitter, hurt, looking for the grass to be greener. And we all know that how we end something is how we start something. That's right. We have a bunch of wounded people running around trying to find healing while also trying to do ministry. That's right. And the danger is that of that is that if we don't address these hurts and unmet expectations head on, we will start to place unfair expectations on our leadership, mm. on our pastors, on the people we lead. We'll start seeing our congregation members as audience members. We'll start seeing our role on the platform as a performance. We'll start letting what people say about us become louder than the voice of God, which is actually witchcraft. Mm. We'll start to really get pulled away from our original yes. And what I'm seeing from people who are putting these unrealistic you know, expectations on leaders and churches is they've gotten away from the thing that brought them to Jesus in the first place. And what I'm asking us all to do is just to be aware of the fact that yes, we've been hurt. Yes, there are things that happen, but we also play a huge part in our own healing and in our own growth, our own spiritual journeys. And part of that is acknowledging I've put unrealistic expectations on my pastor, on my team, on myself, on my family, um, and in dealing with those in a healthy way, be it counseling or, you know, pastoral care, whatever we need. Right. Right. Uh, One of the drums that I like to beat, I think is such an important message, especially in this season, especially I share it with younger leaders all the time. It was a, a, a truth that Natalie, I wish I would have discovered years ago. It would have saved me a lot of time and trouble. And it is this truth. You are not what you do. You're what Christ has already done for you. Amen. Had that reality come into play a lot sooner in my life, I could have gotten off that striving ladder of trying to prove myself as a younger pastor, of trying to, you know, get that role, that position, that that whatever accolade, whatever, um, and been exhausted and not been so miserable and not been so disillusioned and not not felt my own sense of discouragement or disgruntlement. Uh, getting that concept wrapped in our head. Um, yeah. I'm not, wait a minute, I'm really not what I do. I'm not my sermon. I'm not my song. Um, I'm not how many people raise their hand this Sunday to say, yes, I'm not even that. I, I am what Jesus already done for me. And he'll love me as much today, uh, even if I had an off day, as he will on my best day. And I have such a burden for that message in this season because I see so many good leaders young leaders, disillusioned, exhausted, their marriages are suffering and struggling, uh, their relationships with their children are strained at best, their children are resenting the church, because they've been given a model of leadership that's not necessarily even biblical. And it, it's, it's traditional, but it's not necessarily biblical. And they, they've, they're trying to find their value in, in the next board or the next committee or the next appointment or the next whatever, you fill in the blank. Which is why your voice is so important. Getting back to the main thing. Where is your value? Where is your identity? Because there's so much at stake right now, I think. But I also am encouraged. Yes. Now I'm encouraged. Yes. Yeah, we recognize the problem, but there's also voices like yours that are rising up and say, hey, wait a minute. There's a better way. There really is. There's a great way. There's a better way. And we've, you can recover. And we've all been wounded and we can heal. 
and we can find our way back. That's why I'm so encouraged. I feel and sense that God is restoring something good to the church in our message. I think he's restoring something good to the church in our, in our method. Are you seeing the same thing? Are you experiencing the same thing? In the midst of all of the, the turmoil and, and the warfare and the, and the disillusionment, there's, God is doing something good. Absolutely. And he's using the family of God to heal the family of God. When Absolutely. He, I, I call it going back to the scene of the crime. So ah, I love that. When I was in, when I, I got to go back home to Cincinnati in August to the church where we had the, the worst church hurt that I talked about at the beginning of the podcast, the new pastor was in my youth group and he called me back and he said, Natalie, would you come and lead worship for our 100 year anniversary? And I hadn't been back in, in ages. And I went back and I saw for myself by getting back on that platform, hugging the necks of the people who I thought had betrayed us, just being back with the family of God. It actually was so much more healing for me to step mm. back into that than I was in leading them worship. And the Lord reminded me that this is full circle reconciliation, that the church actually can heal the very people that have been wounded by the church if we're wow. willing to humble ourselves wow. and to go back and really find out where did the enemy trick me? Where did the enemy trap me to make me think that I wasn't loved, that I wasn't protected and right. really expose these lies in the light of God's truth. And I am telling you, our pastor says this beautifully. Pastor Brady Boyd says that our generation is tempted to reject the two institutions that require humility and accountability. And that's <laughs> marriage and the church. Oh, wow. And if we can remember that the church is at its core, a good godly thing that is capable of healing outside and inside then we will run back and be willing to revisit the scene of the crime where we were hurt or we were rejected and so realize good. that it so wasn't as bad as we thought it was, mm. that God was always there and that the people of God are, are really good people, you know, um, but we have to be willing to do the hard work. And I think some of us need to go home. Some of us need to just go home. Wow. Wow. That's a word for somebody listening. Somebody's listening to this right now, and Natalie's words are piercing your heart because, you know, in this moment, it's the Holy Spirit speaking to you. Somebody needs to go home. Mm. Uh, Natalie, as we get ready to wrap this up, what would you say to encourage those listening who might be wrestling with some discouragement over everything they've walked through? these past couple of years in ministry or leadership, it has not been for the faint of heart. It has not been for the faint of heart. You just spoke to people who they need to go home, but talk to the people for a moment that stayed, but are hurting. Talk to the pastors, the leaders, the, the staff members who are bandaging wounds, who are, are struggling with their own anger, their own disappointment and betrayal speak to them just for a moment two years ago i laid on my office floor I was 40 years old and i threw the biggest spiritual temper tantrum i've ever i've ever thrown mm. and i told the lord i'm done choose somebody else this is too hard and so first of all i would say you're not alone um, there are everyday people doing good work for the Lord who are throwing themselves on the floor and asking the Lord to pass this cup, to take the thorn from their flesh and choose someone else. It does not make you weak. It actually makes you extremely strong that you can say, I'm tired. 
I want to do something different. I want to be a Starbucks barista. We've all been there. You're not alone. Number two, I want you to remember that you said yes to Jesus and, and go back to that moment, whether it was in your bedroom or at an altar or at a camp. Remember who you said yes to before what you said yes to. Mm. You said yes to Jesus who never leaves you and never forsakes you. He doesn't make mistakes with his kids. Whatever he has called you to, he will equip you to accomplish. And it's the enemy's job to try to make you doubt it. Go back to that original yes to Jesus, not what you did. And finally, I want to remind you that people are people, but God is God. People will wear you down. That's normal. We wear people down. But God is the ultimate author and perfecter of our faith and who for the joy set before him endured the cross. And so our our cross bearing days are not over, but he says, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, give me all your cargo. And so we have permission to do that every day. No apologies. I would also remind you to love God and love people as your number one job. Mm. The second job was to fulfill the great commission. Those are our, those are our two biggest commandments that we said yes to passion and calling is behind that. Let the other two guide you when you don't know what to do, Mm. love God and love people and go and make disciples. You are doing an incredible job in the hidden and in the scene. And I want to speak to the people who don't feel like you're seeing the holy in the hidden, just because you are not on a platform just because you are not getting recognized on social media, Mm. God's eyes are not far from you. He sees what you're doing in the hidden and it is holy and hard work and your reward will come in heaven. It may not come here on earth, but it will be in heaven. He is so proud of you. And so if you're ready to quit today, my encouragement to you is that he who began a good work in you is faithful to complete it. That means that God does not quit anything. Mm. And that includes me and you. Uh. So good. I want to recap today's transformational truth. Mature leaders are motivated by commitment rather than convenience. It has been an absolutely rich and impactful interview. Natalie, tell us where can people find you? I would love to connect with you on Instagram under Raised to Stay, Facebook under Raised to Stay. I have a book coming out with David C. Cook next June, June 2023, that is not yet titled, but will be very much on this raise to stay theme and encouraging people back into the body of Christ. And hopefully we'll do some conferences and camps and send this message out as a movement. I really feel like there is a generation raising up with swords in hand, ready to rescue each other and also take the word of God to the ends of the earth as we're commanded to do. Absolutely. Listen, if you'd like to connect with Natalie, please check out the links that I've included in the show notes. And if Transformational Truths is helpful to you, do me a favor, take a moment, go over to Apple iTunes, rate the show, write us a quick review. We want to help you restore the joy to your life and leadership. Natalie, thank you. This has been an absolutely rich conversation. Thank you so much. 